Hey, welcome into the world-famous huddle. Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus. Bump, how you doing, man? What's up, Dave? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, just taped something in uh, Seattle, and, you know, I, I uh, mapped my, my home, and I was playing Beat the Clock the whole way. <laughs> it was great. I got shaved it down to 11.55, and uh, C. Raj, I'm sure, was just thrilled to have me texting him. I got it down to 57. <laughs> I got it down to 56. It's 55, but it's you and me because Jake is a little under the weather. Stacy is on vacation, and it's me and Bump with the huddle. We got John Boyle coming up. Uh, from Seahawks.com, and then we're going to go in the trenches with Ray Robert. Or I'm sorry, Ray Roberts. Uh, and then we've got a couple of players, um, Damian Lewis and Colby Parkinson, who are going to join us. And then we have Steve Rabel. Uh, and he's going to be on, on the phone. And then we'll just do a uh, an opponent preview and uh, just final thoughts. But before we get uh, get into that bump, what about uh, what did you see the other night? It was uh, you know 20 to 10 loss to the Rams. Russell looked a little bit off with uh, with some of his deep throws. He didn't have Tyler Lockett, didn't have uh, Alex Collins. And, and I'll ask you this question first, Bump. How much do you think, how much of a difference not having Tyler Lockett, how much did that make? Yeah, Dave, I think that was a, a big difference, man. I mean, he's the one guy that when all else fails is going to make a big play. Now, there's other guys on this team who have big playability. Obviously, DK, I think Gerald Everett does. I even think D. Eskers has it in him. He almost made a big play um, late in the game. But when you really need something to happen and you have to force a football to somebody and pray that they come down with it, number 16 is a guy. So I think that's what they were missing. And I think for the first time, maybe not for the first time, but as of late, the 12s and people around the country really started to see how valuable Tyler Lockett is to this offense, man. Uh, there's no big plays being made out there without him. Yeah, and then the, the other thing was, you know, Russ was 55% as far as his completion percentage, and he had been up in the 70s, and, you know, he's always in the high 60s. And for him to have that kind of night, he was just a little bit off, and a lot of those, a couple of the deep throws were off. I know one, he got his hand hit, which would have been a touchdown, it looked like, to DK Metcalf, and it ended up flailing up in the air, and um, Gerald Everett was able to come back and grab it. But you could see DK, he had Jalen Ramsey beat, and if that, you know, if Von Miller doesn't hit Russ's arm, you know, maybe that's a touchdown there. And yeah, so it was just, um, I, I felt like, and I think around the country, people don't appreciate the connection with Russ and, and Tyler Lockett. It's it's like it is with with Doug Baldwin. Um, it is, it's like Matthew Stafford and, and Cooper Cup, unfortunately. And, you know, you go back to Matt Hasselbeck and D-Jack and, you know, so you can I'm sure nobody could talk about that better than you of having that connection with your quarterback. It's it's key if you're a wide receiver. Yeah, it's special, man. I didn't I didn't play long enough in the league to develop a connection with Matt Hasselbeck or any other quarterbacks there. But when I was in college, Alex Brink was my quarterback, huh. and um, I mean we had a connection that was crazy. Like he'd get blitz, I changed my route. He knows exactly what I'm gonna do third and long, third and short, he knew he can toss it up to me. I was going to come down with the football, and that develops over time. I think people don't respect the connection between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett enough because it's such a humble connection. You know what I mean? Like It's, it's so humble and it's so reliable that you take it for granted. What do you think about Rashad Penny? I, I, I kind of put him on hold just because – 
you know, it, he was running it well. The, the thing that bothered me, Bump, was that, you know, he came off with the cramps. And, you know, it just seems like there's always something that interrupts. But he was back in on that drive. So no big deal. But he, he you know, it just kind of disrupted his flow a little bit. And then you saw DJ Dallas come in there and get five yards of carry, including a touchdown. Um, and, you know, it looked to me like the offensive line was blowing some pretty big holes in that really good Ram defensive line. Yeah, that um, second half, the first drive in the second half, they come out and go 11 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. I think they run the ball six or seven times in that drive. And the thing about Rashad Penny is that every time he gets tackled, I'm holding my breath. I'm like, come on, get up. And then he has to do what I used to do in high school and college. I used to get up as fast as I can because I didn't want my mom to worry, right? I'm like, like, (laughs) Rashad, you got to get up as fast as you can. And I honestly, Dave, I think for the first time, like he played a game when he was sore. You know, he carried the ball 16 times, 137 yards, touchdown, a couple touchdowns. And uh, he had, I don't think he played sore in a very long time, not since college. And you know how that grind is, man. It yeah. wears on your body, and that running back position is so tough. Uh, so there were opportunities there. I still think he ran the ball well. Like You look at the numbers, and they're not going to impress you, but I still think he applied enough pressure on that defense. And, it's, and I'll, I'll, honestly, it's nice to see DJ Dallas get in and get some run and have some success because Dallas is going to be here for, for a couple more years, hopefully. Uh, so I, the running game has always been tricky this year. With all the moving parts in that offensive line, Chris Carson not being available most of the year, you're relying on guys who have never done it. So Rashad Penny, uh, I'm glad he made, made it through the game um, injury-free for the most part. But playing football is a grind. And at that position, you're going to feel it. And I think he felt it. You know, one of the few times that I had my hand on the ball in the NFL, you realize, Bump, that everybody wants to kill you. You know, (laughs) and honestly, being a linebacker, it's like, yeah, there was maybe one, sometimes two guys dedicated to coming and hitting me. But, man, when you have the ball in your hand, and and it's a good point you make about him being sore from the week before because he just really hasn't, hasn't had it. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, the the other mysterious thing to me, because I still think it's a mystery about Rashad Penny. We'll we'll see how he plays against a really good, and we'll get into it at the opponent preview. Uh, but a really good defense. I mean, at least they they've got forty sacks, and they're third as far as sacking the quarterback. They're top ten in total yards. They're uh, they're top ten in uh, in passing yards. So. Pretty good, uh, pretty good defense with the with the Chicago Bears coming up. But um, yeah, the the other uh, the other big mystery to me was Carlos Dunlap. I mean, he gets three sacks, and I was looking at his reps lately, Bump, and you know, it's not like he's had a ton of them. I mean, he he's averaging about twenty five, thirty snaps, and I know against um, against Washington and San Francisco, he only had four and seven. Uh, snaps and he still was able to get a sack in the Washington game where where he had seven uh, seven snaps. I'm sorry, San Francisco, seven snaps in that game. So and then you know he plays 21 snaps, which I guess is a lot for him lately. And he gets three sacks. What'd you make of that? Yeah, man, it's a it's a weird situation with Dunlap. Right, last year he comes on the team and and makes a splash immediately, wins the game against the Arizona Cardinals for these guys. And then this year his role kind of changes. And Big Ray, Ray Roberts, we'll talk to him later, he came up with a good point. He goes, man, I think it's a load management type thing with Carlos Dunlap because he's 32 years old, he's played a lot. And Ray thinks that because they have um, 
kind of tapered down his snaps, he's able to make these plays late in the season. I love that point. I think it, it, it makes sense. But when you see him go out there and have three sacks, you're like, why haven't they been using this man more? You know, what's happening during the week? What's happening in the film room that makes them say, okay, we're going to play these other guys over this dude. To end the season, though, because he's had three sacks, the first Seahawks to do that since 2015, Michael Bennett, I think we got to see more of him, man. I mean, this is you're, – you're not going to save the season. The chances of the Hawks making the playoffs is extremely low. But you want to end the season with a bang. Let this man get loose and do what he does. Yeah, you know, that it's interesting. We talked to him on our show on Wyman and Bob, and, you know, he sounded a little disappointed about – his playtime and his reps. And the other thing you're seeing with the defensive linemen and ends is they're dropping back into coverage a, a number of times, even the yeah. big guys like Al Woods. So, but you know, in this situation, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch how this team plays down the stretch because you know, they're, they're guaranteed a losing season. They're not going to make the playoffs, but you know, that's a time where y- you can prove to coaches a lot when there's nothing on the line and you're out there playing for your own personal pride i feel like uh we're gonna learn a lot about some of these players on this team yeah you're playing for pride now man pride and reputation you know you made a point i think i was uh maybe a couple weeks ago you said you were playing when when the teams were weren't performing you weren't that good you're not making the playoffs you're playing for your reputation and you appreciate it when another linebacker will come up to you and say man, you're having a good season, man. I see yeah. you on film. You know, it, it comes down to pride at this point. Yeah, you're not going to make the playoffs, but who are you as a person and as a man? And then these guys who are on the bubble, who are playing for contracts, now you're playing for other teams, right? Yeah. If, if you're not going to play here, hopefully you're playing somewhere else. You got to put your resume on film. All right, coming up next. Yeah, you're right, Bump, about that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's your it's your, you know what you put on tape. That's you, man. That's that's your trade. This is what you do for a living. So, you know that that's something that uh, that I know they've got a lot of a lot of proud guys, especially you know some of the veterans like like Dwayne Brown, Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs. I mean, those guys are uh, they're they're playing to to show everybody around the league, and that's all I cared about. I didn't care much about the fans. I mean, I, I guess I felt I, I liked for my family and stuff but mostly i was playing for just knowing that the rest of the league was watching me on film all right coming up next uh seahawks.com reporter john boyle will get a little inside information uh, from him that's next on the huddle hey welcome back to the huddle it's dave wyman michael bumpus you know bump uh, i've been doing the huddle since 2004 some iteration of the huddle we used to do it at night tony ventrella new york Vinny. then it was bob and graz and jake and stacy now it's bump and i'm running the show man for the first time i can do whatever i want you the man dave (laughs) you know what i want to do right now (laughs) i want to talk to john boyle from seahawks.com boyle how you doing man Uh, is he there I yeah, I now I am. I, you forgot to is. take me off hold. There we go. There we go. <laughs> this it's is what a, happens when you run the show, Wyman. Yeah. <laughs> is this the show you're running? Running it into the ditch is what I'm doing. So, yeah, John. Well, what, for the uh, second time, I'll tell you I'm doing great. Thank you. Okay, there you go. We did, we all didn't hear that at first. But, uh, yeah, so uh, good. Happy holidays to you. And um, did you go down to, to L.A., by the way? I did not end up making the trip just because they switched all the media availability to Zoom, so it didn't make a lot of sense to make the trip just to 
sit in the press box on a Zoom call. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so uh, what did you think? And I'll start with Rashad Penny, and that's something that uh, that Bump and I were talking about. Just what what you think, where is he as far as his confidence level? Because that, to me, is the biggest thing that I see from him, you know, coming off that game against Houston. And, and he looked good there for a while, and then he got the cramps, and it kind of set him back a little bit. But what do you expect from uh, Rashad Penny the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think the confidence is the biggest thing that we're seeing. He's just running different. He's running harder. I mean, he's always been, when healthy, he's always been explosive. We've seen the big plays over the years. But I, I can't think of another time we've seen him just kind of put his shoulder down and go physical into defensive players like we have the last two weeks. You know, his numbers weren't great against the Rams, in part because he didn't get a ton of touches. But that's a really good run defense. And he ran hard and got some productive yards out of it. So, I mean, always for him, it's about health and the fact that, you know, he's gone back-to-back games and finished the games and not had to leave with injury. As you said, he had come out for a little bit, but came back, finished the game. So really good sign for him. Obviously, he would love to finish this season strong and kind of improve his hopes for landing somewhere and getting a contract next year. Boyle, I'm a I'm a vibe type of guy, right? I, I feel people's energy in. You're one of the few guys who has been around this team over the past few years and been around Russell Wilson. What's his energy like post-game after these losses? Is it consistent of what you've experienced over the past few years, or can you sense that he's frustrated? Because he's always going to give us the right answers, right? He's going to be positive. He's going to yeah. do all that. But what's what's the feeling you get around him? I mean, in terms of – I'm obviously not on the sideline. I don't see what – you know, get a good feel for what he's like in-game. But by the time he talks to us after the game, he's – you know, he's always taken pride in being a very steady, even keel guy. And he's been that, I mean, you know, nobody's happy with the losses, most of all him, but he's been, you know, the same guy post game in terms of the, the positivity and the optimism and believing that they can get things fixed and get on track. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure he, like everyone else is frustrated with how this season's gone. This is the you know, first time he's had a losing season in the NFL. Well, and it can't be worse, you know, timing as far as having a new offensive coordinator. And I think Pete alluded to this in his press conference the other day that, you know, Russ is still trying to figure out, you know, coming out of, you know, out of that, um, you know, the finger injury. And I, I'm just curious, what, what do you think that uh, if he hadn't gotten hurt, and I know we're playing hypothetical here, but if he hadn't gotten hurt, do you think this this offense would be a lot better? Like, would it be more? And I, my co-host Bob Stelton said rhythm, and I thought that was a great word for it because, you know, there have been some good plays, but there just hasn't been a rhythm kind of like we saw in the first week in Indianapolis, and we've seen it every once in a while in drives and games where there is that rhythm. Do you think they they would have a little bit more of that? How much do you think Russ's finger interrupted that? Oh, for sure. I mean, we'll never know exactly how much, but yeah, I mean, you, you take a quarterback out, any quarterback out for a month in the middle of adjusting to a new offense, it's going to make a difference. And then you factor in, I mean, look, I know he was healthy enough to play. He showed in practice he could play, but clearly those first couple of games after the injury, his finger was not the same. He was missing some throws. So if you, you kind of combine those two factors of if he's just fully healthy this whole time and you have those extra weeks to build off what you're doing in there, I think we'd be seeing a much different offense. But, you know, unfortunately the reality is what it is, and it's, it's been a really tough go for us in this offense. Boy, why do you think it's been tough to really get DK the football? I mean, I've seen some Aaron throws by Russell Wilson, some drop passes by DK. Do you think they're and do you think they're doing enough to try to get fourteen the rock? 
I mean, it's hard to say because when you have a player like that, you think they should just get him the ball a ton every game, but it's always, you know, not as easily said as done. I mean, you can look at last game. They did target him quite a bit, and it would be a much different conversation if Russ had connected on that deep ball or even the earlier deep ball where he got hit and it floated uh, Gerald Everett for a long completion. That was the intent was to go to DK there. So, you know, that's potentially two long touchdowns, and then no one's talking about why isn't DK getting the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also a factor. Pete Carroll talked about this a little bit. He's he's missed a lot of practice this season. I mean, he's with that foot injury, he's practicing only once or twice a week for most of the year. So as much as he's you know, looks good on game day and he's physically ready, th- those reps matter, and he just hasn't been getting enough of them because of, they have to manage that foot. I think I saw Carlos Dunlap on the on the post, and it's interesting, boy. We were talking about how his reps are not very high, and I know he was a little bit frustrated by that. I think we talked to him after the Green Bay game, but he's not getting many reps. But boy, the productivity there! I get. I guess uh, he was probably in a pretty good mood after that game. I mean, you know, it's and also a few weeks ago in San Francisco, he didn't have a lot of reps. He got a he got a sack in that game. What do you think's going on with him? Yeah, you know, I think we saw the San Francisco game was the one where he barely played all. I think it was like four snaps, but in those four snaps, he had a a sack and he batted down that fourth down pass to to secure the victory. And you know, he talked to the media after the game, and obviously, he's not happy with that role. He he wants to be playing more, but he's trying to be a team guy. And one thing he said there was, you know, the coaches came to him and talked about they've had success with some veteran, you know, guys later in their career of limiting their reps. And I think, you know, maybe last week was more of the sweet spot. I don't think they ever wanted him to only play four snaps. That was just the way the rotations went in that game. But, you know, last week he played 21 snaps, which is almost exactly a third of their snaps, and he was super productive in that. So I do think there's something to be said. I mean, every player wants to be on the field, but I think there's something to be said for – a position that takes so much energy on every play for a guy later in his career that if he's not playing 70, 80% of snaps, it can help him. But I mean, I don't know how you don't give him a little more look when he's getting three sacks out of 20 some plays. John, you got the bears, the lions and the Cardinals coming up for the Seahawks. How important are these last three games for the future of the Seahawks? Or are we making too much of a deal about this? Like, look, it is what it is. Russell's going to be back. Everything's going to be fine. Or do you feel like they have to end on a high note just to put everything at ease? I mean, it definitely helps them on a high note. I think there's something to be said for, you know, obviously there's going to be turnover on any team, but for whoever is back, I think that momentum is real. It can matter. I mean, I always go back to, you look at 2011, that team was not a great team. They didn't make the playoffs, but they finished the year winning a bunch of games playing well. And then, you know, Russell Wilson comes in and they get hot and they start winning a ton of games for a long time. And I think that experience for some of those young guys, you know, especially those young guys on defense, that really mattered to them to, to experience that winning. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately the playoffs are not mathematically impossible that all that out the window realistically, but the, this team still got a lot to fight for just in terms of playing for pride, guys playing for jobs, you know, in terms of next contracts, all those things. So I, I think we're going to see a good fight out of this team down the stretch, but I, you know, I don't, I couldn't begin to tell you what it's going to mean for the off season to what happens these next three weeks. All right, real quick here, boy. I know you got young ones at home. How much fun is that at Christmas time? What's going on at the Boyle house? Oh, it's a blast. There's, you know, lots of talk about Santa and lots of treats. And (laughs) it's a really good time. Unfortunately, two of the three have come down with some sort of stomach bug. So we're dealing with that right now, which is not super fun. But otherwise, uh, the holidays are a blast with the little ones. 
Well, happy holidays to you and your family, and thanks for joining us, John. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. There's John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Big Ray Roberts. We're going to go inside the trenches, and, you know, we don't have to ask him all offensive line coaches or uh, questions. Uh, so maybe we can uh, maybe we can ask Ray about other positions or maybe his favorite present that he had at Christmas time. We'll talk to Big Ray on the huddle, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Welcome back to the huddle. Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, the world famous huddle. And one of the reasons why it's world famous has been doing it for a long time. And we got guys like Ray Roberts. Ray, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I was just wondering which which one of you is Jake and which one is Stacy. I'm just those are the ones <laughs> I'm used to talking to. Well, let's see, Ray. You decide, okay? And since <laughs> I guess I'm Stacy because uh, I am actually running the show, but uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, Stacy uh, took some time off to go see her family. I think Jake's a little under the weather, so yeah, we're uh, we we got the uh, we got three ex players running the show. Man, it's uh, it's a good thing. Hey, so. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Well, Ray, what did you think? You know, we've been talking a little bit about the um, the run game, and I know that's been a, a very popular subject. But I, I thought, you know, when my comment was Rashad Penny looked, you know, okay, and then you know when you got DJ Dallas in there, he he looked really good. And uh, but you know, I kind of came to the conclusion, but that the offensive line had a pretty good d- day because they were blowing some pretty big holes open in that defensive line. Yeah, well, first of all, let me just complain about the NFL Game Pass because it makes it really hard yes. to, to watch the, to watch the film the way you want to. So I'm just going to put that out there so it's in the airways, NFL Network or whoever runs that thing can understand. Uh, but, yeah, I would agree, Dave. I, I, the thing that was uh, interesting to me was that with this defensive line that they've used, they've always had trouble with. It didn't matter, you know, what offensive line was here. Maybe Walt and those guys were different, but – they have always had trouble with this, with the with the um, Rams' off the defensive line. But when I was watching film uh, yesterday and then again this morning, man, they were the, our offensive line was opening up a lot of huge running lanes, and uh, and and Penny and and uh, DJ were able to find those running lanes. Unfortunately for Penny, he had at least you know two ten yard carries that were called back because of holding calls on Damian Lewis. So Damian Lewis probably cost him another probably another 20 or 30 yards because yeah, those right. were first down runs and it would have been second and short. So there's a chance they would have handed it to him again. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. so there's a, there, there was a real chance for Penny to have anywhere between like, you know, 60, 70 or 80 yards rushing. And then if he was able to break one, he could have gotten a hundred yard mark. The very first play of the game, when they ran the ball, he was literally one step away from taking it to the house because they opened up such a huge lane that the safety was the last guy he had to beat and the safety was able to make the tackle. So the thing I really like about the offensive line, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, is that this is a time of the season where you just have to grind a little harder, strain a little harder, you know, move a little quicker, and, and then have the unbelievable will to finish. And that's what I see in the offensive line, especially in that game. If you look at Jake Perrin, he is not the world's greatest athlete on, out on, at the right tackle spot. And he was going up against some dudes that can get after the quarterback. And he was doing just enough to get his job done because he kept finishing. He kept trying to finish with his feet, trying to finish in the run game. You know, he was, he was hell-bent on finishing every single play, and that helped him be successful uh, in this game. And then I started thinking, 
man, if you had Chris Carson healthy and this and this Rashard Penny, this running game would could be one of the tops in the league because they they if if Rashad could run the way he's run in the holes hard fast and then coming with Chris with all that physicality, it would be something to behold. Big Red, we talked about or you talked about how there were gaps for running backs to run through. I also think that this offensive line did a pretty good job protecting Russell Wilson going up against Aaron Donald and whatnot. And with all the movement that's been on that offensive line, even Postick was out for a couple plays because of finger. You got Curran there. Damian Lewis has been injured. Does it make it even that more impressive that they were able to open up these gaps and protect Russell Wilson knowing all the moving pieces on that offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the right tackle spot, you know, being uh, new, uh, then Posick, like I think Posick hurt his finger or dislocated a finger or something, was out for a couple of plays, and, and Fuller came in. But I just think, you know, in the years that I've covered the team and they've played the, the, the Rams, it's unfortunate they didn't come out with a win. But this is one of the better all-around performances from the offensive line uh, altogether. And I would even say like a couple of those sacks, were on Russell because he was holding the ball, you know, quite a, you know, quite a while. And the unfortunate thing is, like a lot of times when we had great protection, we couldn't take advantage of it, you know, with receptions down the field. And that that's the part that's against that team that's really hard because you're not gonna, Russell's not gonna sit back there for three or four seconds, uh, very many times uh, against this defensive front. And he was able to do that several times last last week, but wasn't able to. Um, the find to really take advantage down the field. So I was super excited about the way the offensive line was playing. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald's, you know, it does, he's going to make his plays, dude. This is like, it, you can keep game planning him however you want. The dude is going to make plays. You just can't let him wreck the game. And I don't think that he wrecked the game, even though he made some plays. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. He he didn't entirely disrupt them. I guess he drew. You know, one of the holding penalties I thought was bogus too because he didn't even seem yeah. to notice it at all. So, hey, by the way, we got Damian Lewis uh, coming up here, and you you mentioned him. But uh, what would you ask Damian Lewis, Ray, if you uh, if you got a chance to talk to him? Because yeah, he's kind of had a, a little bit of an up and down year from what I can see. But uh, what, what do you think about the season he's had? Yeah, I, I would say that it's been to me. It's been a little disappointing just watching him, you know, in, in the in the preseason practice and him with Gabe Jackson. I remember uh, I took a picture of them too, and I just said, "Hey, man, this this might be the the top guard tandem in the entire league because they just look like they had that thing about them, and it just hasn't come to fruition." And I think some of it, you know, is uh, you know, Damon just hasn't taken that jump from first year to second year. And that might be because of you know some knick-nagging injuries and things, uh, but he, to me, I would want to know what does he think uh, is the cause for some of the inconsistency, uh, because to me it looks like uh, he got super strong <laughs> during the off season, and then and then his game plan was to go just out maul and out muscle everybody, uh, but then his technique isn't all that great. Like his feet stopped too many times in pass protection. Uh, you know, he he kind of uh, steps underneath himself or he overshoots the the uh, the defensive lineman. So to me, that is a technique thing because uh, he has all the power in the world. He just needs to get his technique locked in so that he can take advantage of that power. A hey, big Ray. Offensively, the Bears aren't great. They're 29th overall, but defensively, they're pretty good. They're ranked ninth. And Robert Quinn on that defensive line has 16 mm. sacks. Second week in a row, you're going up against a good defensive lineman. How do you how do you attack this dude? What do you do to slow Robert Quinn down? 
Well, the, the flow of pass rushes down in general, you just have to make it noisy, dude. And and when and when I say make it make it noisy, that means you're putting your grill on their grill in the run game, because those dudes love to just get out on the edge and it's pass rush time, and they can just pin their ears ears back and get after the get after the quarterback. But if you're able to mix up the run and and like the the guy from Staley said from the Chargers, you make them have to play the physical part of the game where they're having to get off blocks and make tackles and things like that. And if you can get the running game going, then I think that's how you neutralize pass rushers. I've played against some of the best pass rushers in the history of the game. Like I think probably most of the top 10 to 15 sack leaders in the, in the, in the, in all time I've played against. And I can't remember one that uh, wanted to stay in the game when we were running downhill. Like you did, Dave. You guys know that, like the tap your helmet. That's the kind of like, hey, like I need a break, take me out. I've seen that a lot when I was blocking for Barry Sanders. I've seen that a lot when I was blocking for Chris Warren, and it was pass rushers that were like, hey, man, like get me out of here. Like I, I don't want to this snot bubble thing. I'm not up for. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and so I think when you have dudes that are that are just high on the sack rec- uh, list like that, you just got to make it noisy, dude. You got to make it nasty and grimy and physical and snot and spit and blood and whatever you want to call it that you got to make it you got to you got to make it like that all the bodily fluids yeah there you go man <laughs> absolutely yeah oh man that's awesome right hey and by the way uh, really quick we got to go to break but um uh richard dent uh did you block him at all because he has the record for the chicago bears with 17 and a half sacks and i think quinn has 16 so he's just a couple away and i i actually yeah, I I'm, I'm... go ahead i'm sorry go ahead well, I was just going to say, I have, a, I have a, a Richard Dent story to tell. I'll tell later. We don't have time. But, um, yeah, that guy was a pretty good player. <laughs> yeah, and I played against him when he was with the, with the 49ers. Uh, yeah. I don't think I played against him in Chicago. But, uh, but yeah, that, he was like that old man strong, too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like some dudes, are, I don't think he's probably a strong dude in the weight room. But, but out on the field, he just had like that old man strength. And grip, and you'd just be like, "Dang! Like, how's this dude doing this to me?" But, uh, but yeah, Richard Dent was one of the better ones. Yep. All right, Ray, we appreciate your time, man, and good talking to you, and happy holidays, brother. Yes, sir. Same to you guys. See you, Ray. All right. All right. We we're going to come back on the huddle, Michael Bumpus, Dave Wyman, and talk to Damian Lewis. That's next. Hey, welcome back to the huddle. It's Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus, and. Shortly, we're going to have Damian Lewis here. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting what Ray was saying um, about about the run game and, uh, you know, how that, that looked pretty good. I was, I was glad to hear him say that because I thought, yeah, DJ, he ran well and Penny ran well. But it seemed like more than anything, there were some pretty big holes opened up in that defensive line. Yeah, man, it, there was some opportunity there. Untimely penalties kind of, you know, stalled a couple of runs. But... I mean, we're looking for positives any way we can get them, man. And uh, and that was a big one. How about the, uh, you know, and typically for players, you don't, you know, if you played in the league, you usually don't complain about the officiating because you're used to it. The thing was, though, Bump, that, you know, I said early on in the broadcast with Rabel, I go, well, these things have a tendency to even out. But they never did. Um, <laughs> you know, th- there was a couple of, and I mentioned that to Ray, the holding penalty on Aaron Donald uh, he didn't seem to think it was holding because, you know, the hands were inside. And I can't remember if it was Damian Lewis or, or Gabe Jackson. But, you know, it, there was that. There was the, the, the pass interference uh, penalties, the one not called. I mean, it was uh, that was as rough of a game as I can remember as far as officiating goes for, for the Seahawks. 
Yeah, if you play in enough games, you're going to have days like that, right? The unfortunate part is that it happened when we felt like the Hawks had a legit chance to win a ball game and to salvage their season, right? You went out, a couple people or teams lose in front of you, you might have a chance to get it done. So I think it was the whole situation, right? If this team were 10-4 and and they're getting these these calls and you drop a game but you're still looking towards the playoffs, it's not – as big of a deal, but it's just a situation that kind of amplifies it. All right. Hey, on the line, we've got uh, offensive guard Damian Lewis. Damian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, sir. How you doing? Well, we're doing really good. Hey, tell us how that felt. Uh, you guys had a good, we are just talking about offensive line-wise, had a good game. You were blowing open some pretty big uh, holes in that line, uh, did a pretty good job with the path blocking, and that was uh, that was a good defensive line that you played against there. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, it's a great group. They talent all around, you know, and we just came out there, you know, execute and do our job, you know. Hate that, you know, we didn't get the result that we were looking for, but, you know, we still went out there and fought, you know, leaving it all out on the field, fight as a team. Hey, Damon, you guys have had a, a few running backs back there this year. Start off with Chris Carson, Alex Collins. You got DJ Dallas, Rashad Penny. Um, does timing change at all when you have different backs back there, or, or does it, is it just business as usual? Nah, it's just, you know, it's just normal. You know, it don't matter who back there, any back, they know the read. So it's just, you know, us doing our job, blocking the scheme, and those guys making the right cut and the right read. So it doesn't matter who back there at all. We just do our job up front and, you know, everything else, take care of yourself. Hey, tell us, Damien, about, you know, getting the schedule all changed around. And, you know, I always say football players and Mike and I both played, uh, you know, you get kind of uh, set in your ways about, okay, Tuesday's the day off and then Wednesday we do this, Thursday we do this. It seems like you guys uh, handled it pretty well having the game switched at the last second. I think it was Friday. Tell us about that whole process and, and how you adjusted to it. Yeah, like the whole process was kind of weird because I really get massages and stuff done. So I had to back all my massages up to Sunday and, you know, get my body routine, you know, recovery work. But it was pretty smooth, though, you know. We had got a day off and came back, you know, a little light practice. And we headed down to L.A. before the game, but it was smooth, though. Is this your second year in the league? Obviously, during the offseason, you, you watch film, you, you try to get better at, at a couple things. Is there something that you worked on this offseason that you're seeing yourself do better as the season goes along this year? Uh, just, you know, paying, paying close attention to the details, you know, the small thing, making small, taking small steps, the read, you know, looking at the defense, watching film, looking at the defensive lineman, his favorite move, you know, what he liked to do, like his counter. So, you know, those things right there, just paying attention to the, you know, small thing, the detail. Yeah. Hey, Damien, tell us about uh, Aaron Donald. And, you know, I just he looks to me like one of the best, not just a defensive lineman, but like one of the best football players in the NFL. What what makes him so special? Uh, yeah, he you know, he's a great player. For sure, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, first vote. You know, he definitely going down one of the best D tackle ever to play the game. You know, you just got to give him the prop because he put the work in. And, you know, he's showing it on film. And but the guy, great. You know, me just going against him. You know, I played him what four times already. So me just going against him, getting experience. You know, he making me work. You know, building me who I'm gonna be and just, you know, good work. You know. 
Yeah. And I'm excited for every match, opportunity that I get to play them. So, you know, I'm going to be looking for the next matchup. Hey, Damien, one of the things that I miss most about playing football is just the chatter that goes on on the field. I didn't talk much, but I, I got involved a little bit. What do you like out there? Are you a talker? You, you kind of just do your job? Like, what's your what's your vibe out there? Yeah, I normally just do my job, you know. All that talking ain't me, you know. I hate talking. I just go out there trying to, you know, do my job. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And it just gets you tired, right, Damien? I mean, you got to save your <laughs> save your breath for playing, right? Yeah, I just see it pointless, you know. Talking for what, you know. Just got to go out there and make a play, you know. Just block. This is my job, block. So ain't no need. Talking ain't going to block this man in front of me. <laughs> you know, anything going to fire him up and he probably tee off. So, you know, let's just go out there and fight, you know. Yeah, you know, I used to go against guys that would try to give you compliments. Like, they would go the other way, thinking that that was like a little psychological game, which that ended up pissing me off. And, you know, because I'd be, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I see you uh, this and that, and you're a good player. Like, no, 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 no. Don't don't even try that crap with me. Have you ever had anybody try that, Damien? Nah, they know not to because they're going in one ear and going out the other one. <laughs> like, they be trying to talk to me, but I'd be locked in in the game. You know, we could talk after the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm focused right now. I'm trying to block you and whoop you. <laughs> hey, Danny, for the oh, – go ahead, Dave. Uh, you know what? I was going to put this in your ear. Think about it before the end of the interview. Do you remember, Damien, the, your favorite Christmas present that you got when you were a kid? My favorite Christmas present. Nothing. Uh, anything stand out? Anything special? Mm, I got to say – when I was a kid, it got to be my Nintendo. It got to be Mario, my Nintendo. Nintendo, okay, gotcha. Yes, it was the thing back then. Yep. You had the Nintendo DS, got to have Mario. <laughs> so I wanted that when I was little, so that was big to me when I was young. There we go. Damn, you got family coming in, or you, you, you solo this Christmas? Now, I just got my family, my son. Yeah. Well, and typically... Yeah. I- Offensive linemen would get together for things like that, but you guys are probably avoiding that right now, huh? Yeah, you know, COVID going on. You know, people got little kids now, just had a newborn baby. So, you know, trying to, uh, you know, keep them safe. And, you know, you don't want a whole group of people around your kids and stuff. So, you know, keep your household safe. Yeah. But we definitely going to get together after, though. There you go. Well, hey, and really quick, uh, you guys got the Chicago Bears coming up. And, you know, we say this all the time. Every week's a challenge. you got Robert Quinn, who has 16 sacks. And then how about Akeem Hicks? I mean, that's uh, you, you get no rest, right? I mean, you, you go from uh, Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller and, and Leonard Floyd to these guys. Yeah, you know, it's going to be, like you said, ain't no break this NFL. You know, you're going to get big-time matchup every week. You're going to get that, but I'm used to it. You know, coming from LSU, you're going to see three or four big-time prospects every week in college where I play at LSU and the SEC. So I'm just used to it about now, you know, just trying to go out there, put the, uh, put everything that I learned in practice and put it to work on game day. So, you know, I'm ready to show up. There you go. All right, man. Well, listen, happy holidays. Uh, congratulations on, uh, on a great game last week. Uh, didn't get the win, but you guys played really well. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on with us, Damian. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
All right, there he goes, offensive guard Damian Lewis. I was going to ask him in the off season. Uh, he doesn't he squat like six hundred and fifty pounds or something like that. Bumper or am I off? Is it? It's probably uh, like it could be a thousand. I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll bank on a thousand. Yeah, I mean the, the guy, and I, I think Ray said he got stronger during the off season. I'm like, if you're if you're squatting like six eighty or whatever, I think the number is. It's around six fifty seven hundred. Like, are, are you sitting there going, man? I got to get to eight <laughs> hundred. I mean, this guy is ridiculously strong. All right, well, we're coming up next, uh, we've got another player interview coming up. It's Colby Parkinson, Stanford guy, Bump. Got, you know, we got to love the Stanford guys, right? The Cardinal. There we go. All right, he, that's coming up. He's uh, tied in and actually, you know, hasn't, uh, haven't seen a whole lot of him, but we'll ask him about his involvement in this offense and maybe ask about his favorite Christmas present. That's next on The Huddle with Michael Bumpus and Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome back to The Huddle. It's Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus and... We got on the line here, very special guest. He went to Stanford. I know you love that bump, the Washington State Cougar. But uh, we got Colby Parkinson. How you doing, Colby? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on with us. Um, hey, uh, what, what do you got planned for the holidays? I know that uh, you know it's supposed to limit gatherings, and typically you'd probably get together with, uh, with uh, other guys and stuff. But uh, are you keeping it small? You got family? What's going on for you? Uh, yeah, I got some family local that uh, we'll get together. Not many, just uh, just the local family. So uh, get together and have a nice little Christmas, and then you know get ready for the Bears on Sunday. There you go. Good, good deal. Hey, um, tell us about uh, th- this offense, and and from your perspective, kind of we were talking about Russ and having the interrupted season, which has never happened with him. And then you know it, there's been times where it's looked like you guys have really good rhythm, but as far as you know, as as far as that goes, and and establishing that, where would you say you you guys are offensively yeah we're just keep trying to find it you said it rhythm is such an important thing in an offense and uh you know we'll just keep at it keep trying to find our way and uh, you know figure out the uh the recipe to success and uh it's definitely out there for us we've had glimpses of it and uh you know keep striving to to be better each week hey colby i look at this tight end room and i see different types of tight ends i see uncle will disley he seems like he's your blue collar guy gerald everett seems like a route runner what type of tight end are you, and what have you learned from the other guys in the room? Yeah, I try to fit into both categories. I try to be someone that can be used in the run game and then also a route runner. You know, that was my uh, primary use in college. I was able to split out and be in tight and run some, some routes and uh, definitely see myself being able to do both of those. And it's been awesome to have uh, two examples of each uh, in this tight end room to watch Gerald with his route running and whatnot, and then also Will to see how he comes to work every day and, you know, gets it done in the run game and, and pass pro and also routes as well. Boy, Gerald Everett seems like he's uh, – I always say this, Colby, he runs angry, man. I mean, he seems like a yeah. very nice guy, but I, <laughs> the guy, he never gets tackled by the first tackler. And uh, I, I don't remember seeing that with, with the Rams, but, uh, yeah, that's got to be uh, somebody you, you definitely want to emulate, right? I mean, he just, he just runs like he's, he's angry at somebody. Love it. Oh, yeah, he definitely definitely has an edge to him. And when he gets the ball in his hand, you know he's not going to get tackled by the first guy, like you said. So definitely learning a lot from that. Hey, Colby, how are you adjusting uh, to the Northwest? I know you're from Westlake. That's down in, uh, in California. And you went up north to Stanford. It gets a little colder, but a little wet, a little rainy. How are you adjusting to all this? I love it up here. Uh, it has been a very rainy winter so far. I'll, I will say that, but uh, I love the mountains up here, the lakes and whatnot. It's, it's beautiful, so definitely blessed to, to be up here. 
I'd say it's about normal, though, Colby. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to, to bring you down, bro. But, yeah, it's it's tough uh, coming from from uh, Southern Cal. But, um, hey, I, I want to ask you about blocking. And, you know, they always say that uh, that is something that is about one-two. Um, and what have you learned uh, about blocking in the NFL? And is it is it different uh, from what you were asked to do uh, at Stanford? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with it being about the want to. Uh, I think this year, especially, I took it onto myself to have a better mentality about blocking and, and just being more aggressive and, and thinking less. Uh, and I think that's really helped me out in my opportunities that I've had so far. Um, and it's, it's all the same across the board from college to NFL. It's just about the desire to get it done and going out there and doing it. Hey, Kobe, when I was young, I used to watch guys like T.O. play, Heinz Ward, and uh, mm. try to emulate my game after them. Who did you watch growing up and try to patent your game after? Yeah, so I grew up watching Ertz a lot, watch his route running. I watched Gronk. Uh, and then even earlier was Antonio Gates and, you know, Tony Gonzalez, some of the greats, Jason Witten. Uh, I kind of watched all of them, you know, try to be like them in different aspects and, and take something from each of their games to add to my own. Were you a baseball guy, Colby? I was, yeah. Yeah, I, played I think my whole I re- up until high school. Yeah, and I, I think I remember. Didn't you like Kikuchi? Wasn't uh, Kikuchi one of your your heroes that you watched? Uh, it was Suzuki Ichiro. Oh, Ichiro. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, we talked uh-huh. to you about that during uh, during baseball. How serious were you about baseball? Oh, I loved it. I played since I was three, um, and then I stopped after my sophomore year in high school. I think, but. Always kind of wish that I kept going a little bit just to enjoy it um, and have some fun with it because it was kind of my first love as, uh, as a sport. Hey, Colby, at 6'7", you are a large human being. I assume throughout your life as a kid you've been one of the bigger kids. In youth football, did they ever try to make you an, an offensive lineman? <laughs> Uh, not really. In, in my first years, you know, everyone plays every position kind of, so I was playing O-line and whatnot. But I was playing tight end for most of my uh, – youth football career i played quarterback in eighth grade which was pretty fun um but mainly a tight end yeah bump you're talking about those kids that they put the big tape they put an x right which means right. you can't you can't carry the ball yeah <laughs> right. i always made sure i was just under that weight limit <laughs> there you go there you go yep. hey you said something earlier that that i picked up on colby you said uh, when we were talking about blocking you said uh, don't think so much or you know and I always say this that sometimes you just in football you just got to turn your brain off I mean yep. you know you you can overthink things and I always joke it's true I had my best game at Stanford uh, after it, I had a concussion and I didn't right. think about anything I just I ran around yeah. and made plays and that was back in the day when they just put you back in see oh you're holding right. up two fingers but but yeah t- tell us a little bit about that because I, I imagine and I was kind of that way too when you come into the NFL you start overthinking things instead of just letting it loose and playing yeah and for me especially I'm a very analytical person I like to understand everything that's going on and be very particular and whatnot um, but now that I'm at this stage in my career where I have the footwork down, um, I'm pretty pretty comfortable with all of that stuff. It's just time to go. You know, I don't need to think about taking that first step six inches to the left and whatnot. It just you, your brain knows what to do. Just turn it off, like you said, and, and get after it. This late into the season, um, you, you've had some experiences now. Was the NFL what you thought it was going to be? Is it easier? Is it harder? Did it live up to your expectations? What's your, your view of the league now that you've been in it for a while? Yeah, it's, a, it's about what I thought it would be. You know, everyone's bigger, faster, stronger. You know, these DNs that we're going up against are, are huge uh, humans. So um, it's definitely uh, 
something that you have to grow accustomed to, and, and uh, it's always a growing process for sure. But um, kind of what I expected it to be, you know, definitely a huge step up from the college level. All right, Colby, uh, last one from me. We just had Damian Lewis on. I asked him what his most memorable Christmas present was as a kid growing up. I think he said n- Nintendo, Super Mario or something. What, do you, uh, what was memorable for you? Uh, when we were kids, uh, it would be anything sports-related that my brother and I uh, got together, uh, whether it was even just a football, a basketball. We had a court in our, in our backyard, so we were out there all the time um, playing together. So those are some of my best memories, and a lot of them came from, uh, from Christmas gifts. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah, I got a football helmet early on. And it was one of those ones that looks like there's like a toilet cake in the top of it on the inside, uh-huh. and it had like little straps. And, yeah, so that that was uh, definitely good stuff anytime you're, you're a kid. And you know that, like, at, at an early age, you knew that, like, sports were going to be a huge part of your life, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Colby, we really appreciate you uh, spending the time, and good luck this weekend, and uh, happy holidays, man. I appreciate it, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There he goes, Colby Parkinson. I got to tell you, Bump, those Stanford guys, man, they're just quality dudes, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, we've talked to him a couple times before. He's a really thoughtful, nice guy. Really, yeah, he's uh, a good kid. I like what he said, man. I like what he said about, uh, well, and especially, I didn't want to say this, but I know we've got to get to break, but really quick, there, there was a lot of Stanford guys when I was there that just thought too much. I mean, really? yeah, on the field. Like, you know, a uh, question, um, should I go three inches to the right here? How about you just hit the guy? You know, so yeah, I, I feel like that's um, maybe, you know, like he said, he's very analytical, but there are times where you just have to have to turn it off. So I liked I liked hearing that. Well, Dave, you, you don't get into Stanford being a dummy, Dave. That's yeah. for sure. Well, my problem is, Bump, is that sometimes I turn my brain off when I'm doing a radio, and that does not work. <laughs> but uh, out on the field, definitely works. All right, coming up next... Steve Rabel, uh, the voice of the Seahawks and my radio partner during the games. We're going to talk to him. That's next on The Huddle with Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. There he is. What's up, Dave? I'm good, man. I just didn't didn't have anything in my ear there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. It's uh, we got. Oh, hey, it's another segment where we've got three players. Okay, now you got to stretch your memory a little bit to remember this guy. Steve Rabel, but Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks on the line. How you doing, Rapes? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're just fine. And, uh, yeah, I saw you earlier today, and you were all fired up about this game coming up here against Chicago. But tell, tell us, I don't know, it was kind of an interesting mood as far as that Ram game. You kind of felt like you were in it, but the way Cooper Cup kept kept catching uh, those passes and, you know, finding himself open. It, it just felt like it was eventually we were going to be on the wrong end of that of that score, the 20 to 10. How did you feel as that game developed, Rabes? Yeah, you know, it, it was funny, Dave, because we talked about it. We said one of the one of the keys to the game was going to be you got to find a way, if not to take Cooper Cup out of it, to at least limit the kind of damage that he'll do to the team. And we just couldn't do it. And that, I think, is a tribute to Cooper Cup. I mean, he's that good a football player that the Seahawks, knowing that he's going to be a big contributor, maybe the big contributor in that game, and still we couldn't keep him from catching, what did he catch, 12, 13 passes, something like that. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. Um, and it also is their, their offense, everything in that offense 
the other day especially was designed to kind of go through him. Running plays were used to set up getting him to spots on the field to throw him the football. And, you know, we changed up defenses on him. We went man, we went some zone, and they still just found a way to do it. Uh, And that's a tribute to the Rams for their ability. Um, I wish the Seahawks had been able to do a little bit better job against him. Once that kind of thing got going and you couldn't get out of that rut of trying to stop Cooper Cup, you know, now you're left with saying, okay, we're just going to have to score more points than these guys, even though the Rams only scored 20, and we couldn't get there. And and that made it just doubly tough. Hey, Rabel, I had a debate with some of my receiver buddies, man. I called Cooper Cup the best in the game. They said I was crazy. Do you think he is one of the best in the game, or is he a product of the Rams system? Well, I think he's I think he's one of the best receivers playing right now. Uh, I think you could put him in almost any system and he would be pretty successful because he does all the things, as you know, Bump, that a receiver has to do to be successful. He's got great hands, great concentration. He runs really precise routes. He's faster than he looks. He's tough. He can take a shot and still make the catch. So all those things you want in a receiver, he's clutch. When you absolutely need to have that catch, he generally is there with it. Um, you know, does he does he light up the the room like a, a DK Metcalf when he walks in without a shirt on? Uh, is he as fast as some of the the great wide receivers uh, present and past? Probably not. But can he play this game? Listen, I played with a guy that that they said those those things about Steve Largent, and he's got a bust in Canton right now. So, um, you know, I, I don't. I don't suggest that Cooper Cup is going to be that kind of receiver, but he sure is darn good. Hey, Rabes, earlier uh, we were talking a little bit about this, but what do you expect, uh, expectations for this team and how they finish out the season? I mean, you got, you know, three games left, and it's, you know, you look at some of the guys, how much pride they have. You know, Dwayne Brown, uh, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, of course. I mean, a lot of veteran guys and, and a lot of guys that are, that are putting, um, you know, putting tape together and a resume together. So maybe for another team, but I feel like this is a pretty prideful group. And you've probably been like me in those situations, a few of the seasons that you played. What are your memories of, you know, when you're out of the playoffs and you, you pretty much know you're just playing for pride now yeah I, I will tell you David I was thinking about that just as soon as you you started this question and I thought back to 1976 the very first year of the franchise uh, then we played 14 games in the regular season and we were two and two and 13 coming into that last game we ended up losing it so we finished the season uh, I beg your pardon two and 11 we finished the season two and 12 and um I remember specifically, now remember we had a team that was made up of a lot of older veterans who we got through the veteran allocation draft and a whole bunch of us rookies and first-year guys. And I I distinctly remember one of the older veterans uh, coming up to me in that last week of practice for the, I can't even remember, I think we played the Giants or the Eagles that last game. And he said, hey, Rook, whatever you do, be careful out here. You don't want to hurt. You don't want to go out there and get hurt on this last game. We're not, you know, we're not going to play. We're not playing to win a championship or anything. Just, just, you know, protect yourself. Don't get hurt. And I thought, you know, that's kind of not the attitude you want to have. And so we're flying back home cross country after that last game of the season. And Jack Patera called 
me back to the back of the plane. He called a number of us young guys back to the back of the plane where the coaches sat in those days. We all sat toward the front. And he sat me down next to him, and he said, when are you going to come back to practice? When are you going to come back out here? And I said, I was thinking April. He said, be here at the beginning of March. And he said, you see those guys up there, most of those older players? They're not here next year. You will be. And that's why you have to be preparing right now for the rest of your career and next season specifically. I'll never forget those words. And they meant a lot to me. And, you know, here we go. Uh, The Seahawks have a lot of those very prideful guys, Dave, that you were talking about. And I I can guarantee you that none of those guys – mostly because their coach is not going to let them, but none of those guys are going to quit playing until the season is over. Graves, speaking of young guys, um, we've seen a lot of young guys play this year. This year. I mean, Rasheem Green seems young, but it's his fourth year. we got Daryl Taylor, um, Ugo Amadi. W- any of these guys surprise you this year and exceed your expectations? i got to tell you, uh, Daryl Tra- Taylor uh, has turned out to be just a great revelation. I mean, John Schneider – the guys talked about him when they drafted him. We kept waiting, hoping that he'd be able to get out there and play a little bit last season. The injury was more serious. The surgery was more serious, all those things. But they just kind of assured us, hey, this guy is special, and you just got to see him play and see his, see him out there physically as to what he can do. And he has not disappointed. He's been a terrific player. I've been, I've been really happy with with uh, how he's played. Uh, Trey Brown is one that was just kind of lit us up when he got in there, came off of injury in this his rookie season. I think he's going to be one that we'll be watching for a number of years to come. I like him. And, you know, uh, there weren't a lot of young guys to play this year. We didn't have many of them. But Jay Curran here in the last few weeks has stepped in at that right tackle spot. I think he's got a future in this league, even as a, as a free agent, an undrafted free agent. I think he's a kid who can play, uh, and they like him. So, yeah, there's some young guys that give you some hope. Um, and, again, this – while it's not a, a totally a young man's game, I think you'll see more and more uh, of these young guys as regulars uh, in the seasons to come. Well, Rabes, happy holidays to you, man. I, uh, we, we love talking to you, and uh, I'll see you on Sunday. And uh, best to you and your family. Thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas to all of you, all of you out there listening. Happy holidays. And, uh, yeah, Dave, we'll uh, see you on Sunday, and let's, uh, let's get a win. It feels a lot better when we get a win, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's much more fun, much more enjoyable to be around you also. So. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, guys. All right, Rabs. Thanks. There we go. All right, coming up next, uh, C. Roger, what do we got here? We got an opponent preview. Uh, do we do we have anybody, or are we going to? Uh, we do, bump? yeah. We've got uh, Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times coming oh, on with us. Perfect, thank you. I'm sorry, I did not see that. So, uh, Patrick Finley, and he'll tell us a little bit about the Bears. That's next on the huddle with Michael Bumpus and Dave Wyman. Welcome back to the huddle, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus, and we've got on the line Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times, but most importantly, I just heard the conversation, bear down, he's a wildcat, Arizona wildcat. Patrick, welcome to the show. Used to cover the Wildcats. I'm a Missouri Tiger. Which, oh, uh, they, okay. They lost, a bowl ga- they lost a bowl game last night and their rivalry game to Illinois 
by like 40 points. So uh, not a great day to be a Missouri Tiger, I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> so you're a little stung today. All right. Hey, uh, I want to ask about Justin Fields. You know, we, we were talking to people because it was rumored in the offseason that Russ was going to, you know, Chicago was possibly one of the teams. But it's always fascinating to me to look at, um, you know, the history of quarterbacks in Chicago. And it's such a, a great franchise with, you know, a, a lot of winning teams and everything. But never a quarterback to throw – 30 touchdowns and never a quarterback that threw for 4,000 yards. Is Justin Fields going to be that guy, do you think? <laughs> when you ask about the history of quarterbacking in Chicago, my first question is always, what history? Yeah. Like, uh, Shit Luckman's <laughs> the greatest quarterback they've ever had, and he retired 71 years ago. <laughs> I think I, I think Justin will be the, the one to do it uh, for a lot of reasons, one of them being just the way that NFL offenses run now in the extra game that they play, you'd think that it's as easy as ever. Uh, Justin has been struggling this year, but I, I think that's to be expected. Matt Nagy went into the season with Andy Dalton as his starting quarterback. Andy Dalton played all of the uh, preseason snaps with the first team, and then he got hurt in the second week, and it was Justin Fields' time. I think you could argue now when doing the obituary of Matt Nagy's career, which is uh, his stint here with the Bears is going to end in three weeks, uh-huh. that maybe going all in on Justin – in training camp probably would have been the better idea. Uh, I think he'll get there eventually, but uh, you know, he's still a rookie and looks every bit it right now. Hey Patrick, Robert Quinn's having himself a year, 16 sacks, only had two last year. Did you guys expect this type of production from this guy? Absolutely not. Uh, when they, when they signed him last year, we did. And then he came out and uh, might've been the worst contract in the NFL last season. They'd signed him to a five year, $70 million deal to play opposite Khalil Mack. And he had two sacks and it just wasn't a very good player. And you wondered whether he'd gotten too old. Uh, he's been great this year. Uh, it's even more impressive when you consider that Khalil Mack has been out most of the season. So this isn't him benefiting from somebody else getting double teams. This is him beating double teams himself. And you know what? He's a sack and a half behind Richard Dent for the Bears single season record. If you could believe that all the great defensive players to come through here. And Robert Quinn is most likely to have that mark by the time the season ends. That's amazing. And, and consider the fact that, you know, Robert Quinn started out when they were the St. Louis Rams and in our division <laughs> uh, playing for five years. Quick, I told this earlier, or said this earlier, quick Richard Dent story. Um, one time I was with uh, Denver, played linebacker, and we were in Chicago, and there was a guy that cut me and blindsided me. And so I took his, uh, took his helmet and kind of pushed off of it and sort of ground his face into the mud. I shouldn't have done it. Probably should have gotten penalized. <laughs> Richard Dent is on the sidelines with one of those big, you know, uh, raincoats on. He throws the raincoat off, comes running out to like the numbers where I was and just jacks me up, just hits me, knocks me on my butt. And I'm looking around at the officials go, that, that's a penalty. You got to be kidding me. And, and Richard Dent just turned around and, and walked back to uh, the sidelines and I limped back to the huddle. And, but I, that's, that's my memory of Richard Dent with the, the 17 and a half sack record there in Chicago. I was going to say, make it 18 and a half. He took you down. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that also, what about Akeem Hicks? I mean, you got Roquan Smith. There's some really pretty good players on this uh, on this defense that's, what, number three in sacks and they're top 10 in, in total yards and passing yards. 
Here's a uh, 2021 moment for you. About 10 minutes ago, Akeem Hicks got put on the coronavirus. Oh, list. Oh, so right. the odds of the Seahawks seeing him have gone downhill. And, and Akeem had been hurt uh, for the last six weeks, came back and looked really good on Monday night. So, so that is a blow to the Bears. Roquan Smith, I think, is one of the best players in, in football, full stop. Uh, uh, they are outraged that he did not get a Pro Bowl berth. They think he is the prototypical inside linebacker in modern football. He can go side to side as easily as he can go, uh, you know, frontwards and backwards. Uh, he is, you know, if you're watching one guy, uh, Roquan Smith is the one to watch just because of his speed and because of the way he plays both the run and the pass. Uh, he's been super impressive. Hey, Patrick, I have uh, saw a couple quotes, teammates of Justin Fields saying, man, he's just even kill. He's calm, cool, collected. It sounds like he's a good leader. When you guys watch him play, uh, we talk about the struggles at the quarterback position. Does this organization feel like this will be the guy for the next 10 years? Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, they were thrilled to be able to have him. Remember, guys, the Bears had the 20th overall pick in this last year's draft. You know, back when they made an offer for Russell Wilson, you know, they, they didn't think they'd have a chance to get, you know, one of the five rookies at all. Um, they were thrilled to be able to trade up and draft him. They love his makeup. They think that he is even keel. He's, uh, you know, coming from Ohio State, he's used to the spotlight. I mean, this isn't Mitch Trubisky coming from North Carolina, you know, where, where he started 11 whole games in his career. Like, this is a guy from a big program uh, who knows what's expected of him. Uh, through the highs and lows, he's been uh, a really mature guy here, and, and that's a good sign. You know, he joked the other day that, you know, in his first game, in his first ever NFL start, uh, the Bears gained something like 40 yards, which is true. It was uh, They got blown out in Cleveland, and so he joked that there was only one way to go from that point. Uh, he's handled the pressure and, quite frankly, the losing uh, pretty well here. I mean, he's lost more this year than he had in his entire life combined. Yeah, well, and I was mentioning, you know, just the, the history of the quarterbacks there, but also the history of Ohio State quarterbacks uh, isn't great either. Have you guys had that conversation there in Chicago? I wrote a story about that after they drafted him. And yeah. I want to say the best quarterback in the history of Ohio State in the NFL is Mike Tomczak. Is that right? And that is, that is a statement right there. And I think Tom Tupa is in the top five list. Uh, because uh, he he was good at another position. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a short list. I mean, we talked to him about that in terms of Dwayne Haskins as well. You know, uh, you know he's a, you know fairly, he preceded him at Ohio State and is a, a fairly notorious draft bust, I think. And you know, Fields just kind of said, "Listen, <laughs> you know, I'm not responsible for the people that came before me or the people who came after me. All I can do is is be myself." Uh, I think his skill set absolutely jumps off the page. I don't know whether he's going to be. A great NFL quarterback, but I know that the Bears think that he has a, that he might already be the most talented quarterback they've ever had in the building, which is pretty amazing when you consider that Jay Cutler, for all of his flaws, uh, yeah. was a remarkably gifted thrower. Um, you know, and the, and the Bears think that he's more talented than anybody else they've ever had. Yeah, and I always thought Jay Cutler was really good under pressure, too, handled it really well. But, uh, hey, you know what a gambler would say about, you know, a quarterback from Ohio State and Chicago not having, you know, a, a 4,000 or 3,000-yard passer, uh, you're due, man. Patrick, you guys are due <laughs> to have a good quarterback. I hope, I hope he's the one uh, every time that uh, you're not playing the Seahawks. 
<laughs> he's he's been fun to watch and and uh you know you sound like the optimistic gambler i like yeah <laughs> the worst kind <laughs> the worst kind yeah <laughs> all right patrick we really appreciate you taking the time hey thank you so much have a good uh, have a good holiday guys yep you too happy holidays there's patrick fenley from the chicago sun times isn't that amazing about the the quarterback situation there bump i mean it's never crazy. a guy to throw over what was it? Three thousand yards? I still can't believe that. Yeah, especially when Jay Cutler's been there because we know the arm talent that dude has, right? He has a freaking rocket. Um, so yeah, that's surprising, man. And uh, Jim McMahon won one in '85, and he's not even considered a great, even though he won a Super Bowl for that for that franchise. Yeah, they've been struggling over there. Yeah, they absolutely have. But um, all right, well, coming up next, we'll just wrap things up here, kind of give our final thoughts. That's next on The Huddle with Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Welcome back to The Huddle, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Isn't that amazing, Bump, when you when you look at Chicago and they're the highest number of touchdowns that a quarterback has thrown in a season. First of all, it was 95. It was Eric Kramer, 29 29 touchdowns and then 3,800 yards, 3,838 yards is also Eric Kramer. That's their best quarterback of all time. Do you remember Eric Kramer? I remember the name. I don't remember watching him play. Yeah. I mean, that was in my last year in the league, and I think we played him in the preseason or something. But, yeah, it's just – it's amazing. And then, yeah, the other thing about – yeah, you know, that he uh, Patrick uh, was talking about there from the Chicago Times that uh, or Chicago Sun Times that you know that they um, they they feel like uh, well also there's the Ohio State curse uh, yeah. Tom Zach being the best one but they feel like he might be the guy and uh, it, this was a guy that that kind of quarterback that that I hated. Uh, a guy that could run and take off running, and he's pretty pretty decent sized guy as well. So this uh, this could be a challenge for the the Seahawk defense, but I got to believe they're going to be pretty set to uh, you know not let a rookie run all over the field and and throw on him. Yeah, and then he has some weapons, man. Allen Robinson's had a tough year. He's been injured, got on the COVID list. He only has four hundred yards, but Darnell Mooney, receiver, eight hundred yards, three touchdowns. Um, they got some guys, if you let them, who can stretch the field. But you would think that the way this defense has been playing as of late, they're extremely confident. And just get after him, man. Make him look like a rookie. I mean, he has, what, seven touchdowns, ten interceptions. Not yeah. super productive. Uh, but you're right. He is athletic. If there is space out there, he can get it and go. And He's not a little dude either. Boy, and you know, one of the guys that uh, that I've been hearing a lot of people talking about, Akeem Hicks, which I think he has three and three, three and a half sacks, but Akeem Hicks is uh, one of those guys that's uh, just like a space eater on the inside, plays really well. Uh, he's got five tackles for loss, and he's now on the COVID list. So, but but it's interesting, Bump. You know, I, and I I know I said this two weeks ago that hey, when we go into the Chicago game, we're gonna go okay. This is gonna be a tough one because you throw the records out the window once you start getting into the film, and then next week probably be saying the same thing. Detroit Lions. I mean, they beat Arizona handily. It was like by what eighteen points or something. So. Yeah, it's just it's interesting how each and every week. And was it was it that way for you when you were in the league? Do you, do you remember that like every week you didn't look at like I didn't look at stats. I didn't have any idea what somebody's you know fantasy numbers or anything like that was. I I just went off of 
what do I see on film? And typically, you are always impressed by at least a couple, three things that you see on film from your opponent, regardless of their, their record. Exactly. And, you know, when I was in the league, we weren't very good anyway. So it was <laughs> like, you know, we were we accepted all challenges and knew we had to we had to play some good ball because we weren't a very good football team. But you're right, man. It's more about matchups, man. When I was playing, I looked at safeties, linebackers and corners. I'm like, OK, who am I going up against? And this is the NFL. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of high school football players. You break it down to thousands of college players. There's only like what? 2,000 players in the league, 1,500, 2,000 players. Like, these are the best athletes in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, records mean nothing. For us, as we break it down, as we prepare for the game, we look at the numbers, what are they good at, what are they bad at. I don't think players look at it that way. They're like, this is a professional football team with some All-Americans over there. I guarantee there's some All-Americans on that football yeah. team. Right. Well, and, you know, like when you watch a really good, well, like Damian Lewis, uh, other than LSU, because uh, like Damian Lewis was saying in our interview that, you know, every week in the SEC, it's all practically like playing pro football. But, uh, yeah, you look at most guys who are out on the field in a college game and, you know, there's maybe what, three guys, four guys that are going to make it. Uh, into the NFL. So, yeah, just the absolute best. I, You know, I mentioned er earlier that you always, you know, you look at guys on film and you go, wow, look at this guy, look at that guy. The the one time where that was not true was Tony Mandarich. I don't know if you remember him. He was from Michigan State. He was a big offensive line. I think he was the number one pick in the draft. And I remember one of our defensive backs, the late, great uh, Nesby Glasgow, was like, hey, guys, come in here. you got to watch this. Look at how bad this guy is. But, <laughs> but other than that, you just – because he, he was just getting worked for, you know, sack after sack. And he was just, just didn't – and then he ended up actually – I think he went off steroids, which I think he was taking in, in college, and then ended up having a pretty decent career. But, yeah, he was the only guy that I looked on film and go, wow, that guy's really bad right now anyway. <laughs> and But everybody else, you know, there's always something that's, that's different about them. And uh, that's why every week, you know, we – you, I think a lot of fans will go through the roster and go, okay, Chicago, yeah, that's a win. Detroit, that's a win. Yeah, not so fast, right? No, especially when you look at their defense too, man. Say what you want about their offense. And on paper, statistically, their offense is better than ours, averaging a, a yard more a game. Uh, but when you look at their defense and what they do, man, ranked ninth overall, um, great against the pass, number four against the pass, don't cause too many turnovers or losing that the turnover differential battle but um they got some guys man we we talked about Quinn who gets after the quarterback um it's uh the film never lies and i've yeah. watched film on these guys and offensively they do some things that make you adjust they're going to line up receivers in the backfield at that running back spot try to get some matchup on some linebackers they're going to release them there so, huh. Just things that they do differently. And I'm seeing a lot more of that in the league, too, man. I see the Rams do it. The Niners do it with Debo Samuel. Yeah. Chicago Bears are doing it. So uh, Jordan Brooks, man, they're, they're going to line up. Um, is it a Grant back there? They're going to line him up in the backfield. Brooks is going to have to match up with him. Any team can beat you in this league. We thought, like you said, we thought the Detroit Lions were done. We thought they were going to go over. And all of a sudden, I mean, they, they've hit a switch. And they're coming on late. So, yeah, you got to be ready to go. So if the Seahawks followed that uh, followed suit, their uh, bump, DK in the backfield, you think? DK, I would, I'd put, <laughs> I put Eskridge. 
in the backfield. Yeah. Yeah, just because he has more wiggle. You got DK's not a wiggle type of guy. You know, he's a straight line type of dude. I put D back there. Yeah, maybe a little more power from DK, but yeah, that's a good that's a good call. And I I think a couple of the things I'm going to be interested to see this weekend will number one will be first of all, gosh, I mean, I I, it's so rare that you say this, but I, I don't think I don't think Russ had a very good game. No. You know, he, I mean, 54% completion percentage and uh, him missing a deep ball. I, I think I, what I'm most curious to see, other than the run game and, and Rashad Penny and, and, you know, can they continue to get it done? But, um, but yeah, how much of a difference uh, Tyler Lockett and, and missing him uh, makes? Because, you know, we never – and around the country, nobody really knows Tyler Lockett and who he is – He's got like ten, over 10,000 all-purpose yards since he entered the league in 2015, and I believe that's number one. I think Julio Jones is up there as well. But since 2015, nobody's had uh, more more multi, you know, all-purpose yards. So, yeah, he just doesn't get that kind of respect. He's not pointing to his nameplate. But what, what do you see? Like, to me, what it is, Bump, uh, his moves are so subtle it's almost like you can't read him. And I've seen him get so many defensive backs, hips turned the wrong way. Kind of, you know, like Rabel said, you know, he was talking about Steve Largent comparing him to, to Cooper Cup. But that's what Steve Largent used to do. It was, it was a very subtle move that he had. It's unorthodox, man. No one moves like Tyler Lockett. If you look at the top receivers in the league, people think are the top. Hopkins, Devontae Adams, you can throw DK in there. They're all they all do something similar. Like their movements are similar, their route tree, the way they break out the top of their routes. I kid you not, Dave, Tyler Lockett runs his routes differently than anyone I've ever seen. His releases are different. So it, it's hard to prepare for. It's unorthodox, man. Like he catches his hand selection is, is different when he catches the football. Uh it's it's hard to prepare for. And he just makes the big play. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I like that, the way you put it, unorthodox, because, you know, you're used to guys running, you know, crisp routes. And you always talk about how, you know, you have to run crisp routes in order to get, you know, you can't cut it off or round it off. But he just sort of has a knack of doing that. And then, you know, his hands. The last time I, I remember, Bump, Tyler Lockett having a, a legitimate just dropped pass was the Miami game last year. He was wide open. And the only reason I remember it is because it's so rare. He's, he just typically will, will come up, and I put it this way the other day on our show, find himself wide open typically, and then, you know, just amazing hands when we don't, probably don't talk enough about, you know, his catch ratio and how good his hands are. Yeah, hands are, are good. He has good space awareness. He knows where he is on the football field at all times. I saw Eskers catch a ball, not last game, the previous game, and he catches and and tries to get a field, but he's already out of bounds. You know, like l- looks like a rookie doesn't know where he is on the field. I never feel that way with Tyler Lockett. He knows where the sideline is. He knows where the space is in the middle of the field, and he knows how to manipulate uh, defenders just with those sort of movements that you talk about. He's he's crafty, man. He's like that. He's like that coyote that that's always at my my golf course at Echo Falls, who's picking up golf balls and sneaking around. You see him here now. He's over there. He's just. I'm like, you never know where he is. That's Tyler Lockett right there. <laughs> I like it. So the coyote actually picks up your your golf ball. It will pick up the golf ball and run oh, with it. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> hilarious. All right, Bump. Well, hey, it was great being on with you, man. Good job. And you too, uh, man. hope to see you soon. Happy holidays, Bump. 
Same to you, sir. Yeah, I want to thank John Boyle from Seahawks.com, Big Ray Roberts in the trenches. We talked to Damian Lewis, Colby Parkinson, and Steve Rabel. You've been listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus.